Welcome to One Weird Trick, a podcast giving advice for better living. Your hosts, Aaron and Cecily, have zero legal, medical, or psychological qualifications to give advice. Please consider any advice you receive from them as being from well-meaning, but human and imperfect friends. Please consult actual professionals for any serious legal, medical, or mental help you may need. And now, here's Cecily and Aaron. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to One Weird Trick, the show where we exchange tips and tricks. Weirdness is optional, I guess, amongst ourselves with you, the listener, on how we can not just survive in this life, but to thrive and grow. I'm your host, Aaron, and we've got a great show today. First up, I'm going to be giving some advice on dealing with women or I guess more broadly speaking, romantic partners. But we'll talk about that. And then Cecily will be giving us the good word on affirmations then we're going to see what we got going on in the mailbag this week we got a we got a lot of good ones Mm -hmm. i I did some preliminary fishing in there and uh landed a couple whales yeah we're ready to help we 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 are like ahab we're ready to hunt those answers (laughs) down that shit (laughs) and go down with a careless loop of the what harpoon cable uh, wrapped spoilers. around the leg yeah (laughs) (laughs) spoilers from melville uh so Let's start with me. I want to talk about how to have a good relationship with your preferred type of sexual partner. Obviously, I'm giving this from a perspective of a heterosexual male um, who is uh, who who uh, dates. Who bangs it out on the regular with only women. <laughs> with only. There you go. There you go. So I say, well, I don't date. I'm, I'm, I'm married. But OK. Um, and now I, I think that. Uh, you know, this will broad a lot of this is because, you know, women I've found tend to be people um, and uh, romantic relationships tend to be a, sup- a subset of the larger thing of relationships. So a lot of this stuff is applicable uh, despite or, you know, regardless, I, sh- I should say, your sexual orientation uh, or, or who you like to get down with. Uh, obviously, this won't be as applicable for people who are asexual or, or who are. Uh, people who are, I don't know, trying to partner up with asexuals. Right. Yeah. We can only speak from our own experience. Yeah. 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 So and also always welcome feedback if anyone has any other tips yes, and tricks. There, and, and that's the other thing I wanted to get to caveat is there's no one right way to have a relationship or to pursue relationships or types of relationships to have. And I'm going to try to keep this uh, uh, not about like, you know, what kind of like power dynamic and what kind of, you know, things are going on like that. It's just all about, you know, relationships. So uh, my number one piece of advice for dealing with women at regardless of your stage in relationship, whether you're just getting to know each other, whether you're dating, whether you're going steady People still say that whether you're in a long term relationship, whether you're moved in, whether you're coupled up, whether you're married is always, always be honest. So num- if you I, I was given this advice a long time ago by a person who was very successful with women. And he said, if you're always honest with women, you're always going to come out of situations smelling like a rose. And it's about being honest about what you want, about the things you need, about what you're looking for about how serious you want to be, about what you're doing and where you're at, like physically. You know, if someone asks you where you're at right now and you're at the club, don't say, oh, I'm at uh, my sister's house. Um, And about what you're willing to do. Uh, And we're going to do a little bit deeper dive on this. But I feel like this is, and I'm going to speak for myself, um, but I feel like this is broadly applicable to a lot of American men that we were conditioned to kind of treat the women in our lives like nagging mothers, you know? They're volatile. Or not just that, it's just that, like, women are just always going to try to horn in on the fun that men are having and not let them have it, you know? Um, If if all you want to do is go out with the boys and bowl, you know? Think about, like, married children and the honeymooners, all this stuff. Up Simpsons. You just want to go bowling and drinking with the guys once a week. And the woman's job is to be like, why are you spending so much time with your friends? And why don't you? Or I don't know. Like, uh, I think about all the sitcoms where, like, the dad's all about fireworks and uh, doing dangerous stuff and backflips off the roof into swimming pools. And the mom's like, you boys get off of that. We're conditioned to, like, think that they're, you know, we're allowed to have some secret fun. We're allowed to have like, you know, we're, we're in as a, a, the, one of the prices we pay for being, you know, fathers and husbands and providers 
uh, one of the rewards of that is we get to have, we get to color outside a little bit of the lines. And there's like this unspoken, um, unspoken kind of compact in popular culture and in a lot of people's relationships where the guy tries to get away with things and the woman tries to kind of keep him safe and corralled in. And that's the kind of dynamic um, that people have. And one thing to dispel all that is just to be honest. Because when you have that kind of dynamic, you know, where, you know, your you're, you're significant other asks you to do something and you say, sure, I will do it, and then you don't do it, or you don't think they can handle the truth about what you're doing, that you just want to go out and have some drinks with the boys, or, you know, you want to go to a strip club for your friend's uh, bachelor party because all of them are doing it and you're not going to go fuck anybody or do anything crazy. You just want to go to a strip club or, or whatever it is that you think that, you know, a, a woman can't handle is that we just kind of do it and then tell little white lies. Um, and the problem with that is that the women then start to see us as kind of like these naughty little boys and, and not in like a fun way. But in kind of like, oh, God, I'm responsible for this person cleaning up after themselves or, you know, uh, if they tell me they're doing something, I'm always going to be worrying about it. They're doing something crazy. Um, and then people wonder why they like the magic leaves a relationship. So got to be honest. And to do that, you have to be comfortable with at least the fear and sometimes the reality that your woman is going to be sad or mad or annoyed with you. You know, uh, you can decide what to do about that, but it's go- like, you know, a lot of times uh, uh, if you, you want to go to that uh, bachelor party that's at the strip club, there's a fair amount of women that are not going to be comfortable with that. And then you can choose in your relationship whether you're going to acquiesce to maybe that, you know, maybe it's reasonable, maybe it's insecure, but whatever, it's her preference. You can either say, okay, fine, I'll respect that preference. Or you can tell them that, hey, this isn't the kind of relationship I want. I want something that's based on trust, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to go to the strip club, blah, blah, blah. You can't say you're going to just go fishing and camping with the buddies and then go to the club. Uh, and it's scary. And a lot of times that's going to narrow. Like if you're really honest with people, that narrows the options of people you're going to be compatible with. But what it prevents you from doing is getting in a relationship with somebody where you've got all these false compatibilities that then become little relationship killers as they're uh, as they're, you know, resolved. Because, again, I've never been to a strip club. I've come close a couple of times. It just hasn't worked out. But it's not a deal breaker for me. If I, you know, I don't think, Cecily, do you give a shit if I went to a strip club? Yeah, I think you went to Las Vegas a year or a year or two ago. Yeah. And you you asked, oh, you didn't ask my permission, but you said that was a possibility. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm, well, this is me, but I'm, I'm curious. What's it like? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do but, it. You're with the boys and I feel comfortable in our relationship. Yeah. And you were honest with me about it. Um, but some women wouldn't be cool with that. And I've, that's always been like an easy thing for me. Like, okay, that's, you'll never have to worry about that with me. Um, but you know, there's other things like, uh, I don't know, uh, a woman that thinks men, grown men shouldn't play video games. That's a deal breaker for me. Um, I could bury that part of my personality to appeal to a wider selection of women. But, you know, part of me is going to die or I'm going to, you know, well, that's just uh, I'll just start playing on my laptop or, you know what, maybe I'll buy a PlayStation. And then it's there's going to be fights about it. So now you're keeping secrets, too. Yeah. Um, so when you set those boundaries, like, you know, I, I want to go to the club with the boys. I want to play video games. I want to go for this new career i want to it's a good chance that they're going to be angry or upset or sad um and then sometimes that's more about them sometimes it's more about you but either way you have to be comfortable with that reaction and get used to um you know dealing with that kind of negative emotions for women because men also condition that like if a woman is upset or crying that you have to do something about it holy shit and a lot of times that involves promising i'll never do that again or it's not like that or oh i'm sorry i've you i i you didn't understand right and then you spin a whole bunch of shit to try to make things better but you're not really making things better and not being honest yeah and you're not being honest so always 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 even if you think it's going to destroy the relationship Always be honest, because if you're not honest, you're just setting a time, you're setting a a snooze on the destruction of the relationship. So, uh, number two, number two, be good in bed. (laughs) Uh, 
you know, sex isn't everything in a relationship, but for most people that have some sort of sexual drive, it is very important. And it's a hell of a lot of fun to do. And this is this is the thing that I actually wanted to talk about, but you have to talk about honesty first. Um, some of our female friends have re-entered the dating world after being in long-term relationships lately. And I'm horrified, horrified at the stories that I'm hearing about how shitty men are in a sexual capacity. It's embarrassing. And I'm not talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I'm talking about grown-ass men, 30 to 40-year-old men who are fucking tragic in this uh, regard. And it's it's crazy. Um, here's a couple statistics. I, I, I sourced these from a, a wide uh, array of studies and some averages. I read that in committed relationships, 70% of women report orgasming on a regular basis. That means 30% aren't. And in casual sexual relationships, the kind of, you know, hooking up, dating, uh, friends with benefits, that kind of thing, that number falls to just below 50%. What the fuck? I think if you're honest with women and you make them feel really good and you throw in a little bit of, uh, you know, sense of humor if you got it or some other, you're going to be wildly successful with women um, and you're going to get a lot of repeat business because... Your partner's pleasure should be as important to you as yours is to them. You want a person you're with to make you feel really good and get better and better at that stuff and uh, know what they're doing and have a good time. Well, then you should be willing to do that back. Um, And there's a couple things that you need to know if you think uh, or if you're worried that you might be in this 50% of men who are tragic at bed, uh, tragic in bed, is you got to know about your partner's anatomy. You know, this is like... uh, Jesus Christ, I remember as a little kid, before I even knew what the clitoris was, this being a joke and like stand-up routines about stand-up, like men not knowing where the clitoris is. But I swear to God, it's true. I've heard firsthand reports. I've seen stuff on r slash sex. Um, learn where a clitoris is because most women, in fact, only 20 to 25% of women can experience an orgasm from penetrative sex alone. That means that fully 80 to 75% of women are going to need some additional manual or oral stimulation. And if you're just licking around the hole, you're not going to get the job done. If you're rubbing around her thighs or under pubic mound, learn where the clitoris is. And also realize that it's slightly different position. It can be closer to the vaginal barrel, further away from the vaginal barrel, shrouded in a hood, exposed be all different sizes. It can be bigger and larger during sex. There's all kinds of things it can do, but you got to learn where it is. And the second thing, the second thing is you don't want to fall into a one size fits all trap. I have experienced being with a woman who thought they found the, the God's own technique for jerking a guy off or, or blowing a guy. And it felt like she was trying to remove a rusted lug nut off of a wheel or something. And it just wasn't getting the job done. And a lot of women are the same way. And I feel like uh, when I see some of these stories, I hear some of these stories, the guys that honestly want their partner to have a good time, but they're just like going about it. Like I, uh, the last girl I was with had an orgasm when I jackhammered her. So I'm just going to jackhammer or the last girl I had was with had an orgasm when I stuck two fingers in her and acted like I was trying to pull start a lawnmower. Um, and then, or the other is like, you know, last girl I was with, you know, really liked it when I just used my tongue really, really light in the real small circles. It's crazy how much variation there is an individual and individual between men and women, um, what they need to get off. Which brings me to this other sub tip uh, <laughs> from anatomy, which is communication. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong, especially when you're just starting out in a, a relationship with someone asking them, is this feel good? Do you like this? Is this the right pressure? Is this a good speed? I mean, it's 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 you, some people let you know, you know, like um, that's part of good communication, too, is learning, you know, how to move and how to like, you know, moan and whatnot to let your partner know that they're on the right spot. But, you know, if you're not getting that kind of feedback, then ask for it. And conversely, when someone is having sex with you, be free with that communication back. Like, oh, yeah, that feels really good, babe. Yeah, right there. Faster, faster. Don't stop. Slow down. Uh, we need some more lube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you if you want to, like, you know, if you're having sex with someone for the first time, I think a good rule of thumb is to start slow and light. And you can build speed and pressure until you find out what they like. But you don't want to usually start with the jackhammer 
or the pull start uh, two cycle motor technique right off the bat because mm-hmm. uh, that that can be a, a bit much. And like I said, if you're if you're honest with women and you make them feel good, you have won half the battle. And uh, that's my, I guess, twin weird trick of the day. Cecily, you're going to talk about affirmations. Affirmations, that's right. So I want to talk about tricking your brain. In other words, affirmations. Uh, So you've heard me talk about cognitive biases a few episodes ago. Uh, Those are the sometimes unconscious systematic patterns of thinking that can lead you to make conclusions and assumptions about the information around you. In other words... Your brain gets to trick you into thinking things that may or may not be true, so you should be able to trick it right back. And you can. So the first step here is to recognize the issue that you want to address. Thinking you aren't qualified for your job, believing you aren't in the right physical shape, needing motivation to get through or even start a workout or a project... Uh, Here's an excerpt from Research into Affirmations, because there's been a lot of research on whether or not they work. Uh, This is from the Psychology of Change, Self-Affirmation, Social Psychological Intervention, which I'm going to link in the show notes. They say, self-integrity relates to our self-efficacy, our perceived ability to control moral outcomes and respond flexibly when our self-concept is threatened. We as humans are motivated to protect ourselves from those threats by by maintaining our self-integrity. You need to identify within yourself the thoughts that are preventing you from being happy and whole. So the next step here is, and this is really the hardest and most awkward step, is accepting that you now have to talk to your brain yeah. and coax it out of that bad place. Because it, uh, the, the, the resistance from... Uh because I, I really love affirmations. I'm, I've had a lot of benefit of using them. But the resistance that a lot of people feel is like it just feels funny. It feels weird. It, fe- it feels silly to do. Um, but you got to think about like, especially, I mean, I don't know if you if you don't have a negative critic internal dialogue, you might not be able to relate to this, but you probably don't need affirmations because you've got a healthy relationship with yourself. <laughs> but like if you do have that inner critic that's always running you down, think about how devastatingly effective it is at robbing you of your self-confidence and you know it's obviously like like internal monologues and talking to yourself in a negative way obviously can work so like why would you be so resistant to the idea that flipping that script and turning it positive wouldn't yeah you you need to leave a trail of treats for that for your brain to follow you out so you can meet that beast head on And yeah, this is the part that everyone finds silly and difficult. But we say these affirmations not because we want people to agree with us, but we want our brains to believe that we are deserving of praise. Mm -hmm. So your action should follow accordingly. Okay, so now you need to decide on the affirmations that you want to use. Well... For me, I have a couple of decks of cards that help me because I generally like to keep my brain in this affirmation space, even when I'm not dealing with a a specific issue. I'll shuffle this deck, pull a card, and that's what I'll use for the day. I'm going to link in the show notes if you want to see what I'm using. There's a, a deck for personal use, a deck for work, a deck for love and relationships, etc., Um, I also want to recommend them because they're a little cheeky and the artwork is adorable and that works for me personally. If you're more religious, there are decks out there with that include tarot readings or a spiritual guardian angel for the day type of thing. Uh, You could find a movie, TV show, song or book quote that really speaks to you as a person. Uh, Sometimes I channel Veronica Corningstone from Anchorman when she's going right before she's about to go on live on air for the first time. And I say, power, power. (laughs) (laughs) That helps too. I recommend you do your own research for examples relating to your own specific life and needs. Tons of free online resources. There's apps you can download. We're not sponsored by anyone or anything, but I'm still sharing my link to my resource. You know, I was just watching like Ron Funches. He's this pretty funny comic and he uh, has a a video podcast that he does. And he's starting to do like opening his show or do like in the mid like transition of shows affirmations. 
And he does a lot of like positive negative affirmations, which is kind of like the saying things like, you know, I'm out here learning and growing as a human and I'm going to make mistakes and that's okay. I want to handle it. Or I want to be out here and presenting my authentic self. And some people aren't going to like that and they're going to give me some negativity, but I'm strong enough to handle that. Like, I've never really thought of like coming, you know, like addressing your fears and saying, you know what, that is going to happen and that's okay because you're going to handle it. And that's a, I just picked that little tool up in the last week or two. Yeah. Okay. So now when and where and how am I supposed to do this during morning meditation while I'm in the shower, while I'm working out after work? Well, yes to everything. It can happen anytime and anywhere. If you like a structured thought, then absolutely set aside time to dedicate to this task. Uh, But repeat those affirmations before that big meeting or before a podcast recording. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I feel intrusive thoughts creeping in, that's a great time to repeat the affirmation and chase it away. Uh, Aaron, you said you like to look in the mirror and say your affirmations. That's what I was always. Yeah, that's how my therapist told me to do it. Uh, like, you know, Stuart Sm- Smiley style uh, or Smalley. Yeah, the character off uh, classic SNL, uh, Al Franken, uh, he'd say he'd look in the mirror and be, uh, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, gosh darn, darn it, it people, people like, like me. me. Uh, the, yeah, you look at yourself and uh, maybe and maybe this isn't like necessary for its effectiveness. Maybe it's just like a. I don't know, and increases the infectedness, but like hold eye contact with yourself and say things like, yeah, yeah you're good you're... enough, you're smart enough. Gosh, that's a perfectly valid affirmation. Mm-hmm. You're powerful. Uh, you are ready to handle whatever this day comes at you. You have the resources and support you need. Uh, you, you're you're, uh, you're uh, good at adult responsibilities. Just whatever, whatever you're struggling with. Yeah. Um, you, you give yourself pep talks, essentially. Yeah. To help our kid, we printed out some affirmations and taped them to his bathroom mirror so he can remind himself to do that. Um, It's another way to help other people with affirmations. Sometimes I'll text my friends positive affirmations in the forms of memes and such because it always helps to have friends lift you up too. You can affirm other people by sending affirmations their way yeah especially men man praise your bros because uh that's something that's consistently shown in the research and the studies is that men don't get hardly any praise uh so like you know if your guy your buddy's looking sharp tell him if uh you think you know like uh if you're thinking about him and like you know what this guy's a stand-up guy or he's always helped me out just text him and say i'm thinking about you and Mm -hmm. how much i appreciate you um it's uh something i've been trying to do more this year and i feel like um, it's it's really paid off in my relationships. Yeah, and uh, like you were saying the other day, it's it's sometimes you will get into that happy place, and you'll just forget all of those good habits. Which is why I like to keep the deck of cards around to do it daily and just keep myself in that in that routine because I find myself falling back into the back pla- bad place often. But remember to remind yourself of your own value. And not what you, what kind of value you offer to others. That's my one weird trick for the week. All right. Appreciate you sharing it. You did it in a very straightforward and easy to understand way. And I really respect that. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going to shift to the advice segment where we flip the mics around and uh, we hear what you guys are thinking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We exchange some tricks that you guys got. Uh, We try to provide some. If you want to get in on that action, you do it through email, OWT at SwizzBold.com. First up, we've got Gym Rat. I work for an organization that one would identify as a gym. However, the operations are a bit wider than that. We have swim lessons, youth sports, group exercise, childcare, daycare, and in some locations across the nation, a nice place for a young man to stay. Interesting. Uh, the or- this organization is run by someone who doesn't believe that COVID-19 is real or poses a threat to anything other than their bottom line. Woof. We had our first positive case of COVID-19 last week with an employee, and the response was abysmal. <laughs> Staff who were in contact with this person were not instructed to go get tested. I was the only person who made the call to do so, and it came back negative yesterday. Uh, ultimately, this has been swept under the rug. We had a day camp counselor, quote unquote, come into contact with a cousin of theirs who also had tested positive and they were allowed to continue working. Fun fact, this counselor lives with said cousin and is in charge of 15 or so campers each day. Uh. 
My question is, what is a reasonable person to do? Do I just quit and try to keep my family safe? There are some extenuating financials to consider, but ultimately my family will be fine on one income. Do we take it to the news and just see what happens? Do we keep our nose to the grindstone and just try to learn to live big, to learn to love big brother? Okay. First of all, never try to love to learn or live to love big brother. (laughs) (laughs) It's too, too eat, live, pray for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, taking it to taking it to the news is a bit of a is too much of a uh, too big of a step hmm. for like uh, you know creating a bigger situation mm-hmm. than it is. What you can do is contact your local health department mm. and say that you have this evidence that people have been exposed and that people are at risk. And I, I mean, I don't know what state you're from, but they should be able to follow up on that and take some action preferably anonymously so your job isn't at risk anymore but your health and safety are either that's a really good really good point um because yeah i was thinking like man is it it's i don't think it's too strong to go to the media but as a first step maybe maybe the health department is the way to go Mm -hmm. um i do think that if your family will be fine on one income um for a while then it wouldn't be inappropriate to walk out over this this is like I mean, I I don't know a person saying they don't believe in carbon monoxide or radon, despite like their carbon monoxide alarms going going off off, like, oh, just unplug it like this is a dangerous situation. And this is the reason why the United States is such a clusterfuck right now, especially since you're putting these 15 or so campers each day in in harm's way. That's right. I mean, it. not to put the onus on you, but it would be irresponsible for no further action to happen and you just leave and um, and then they continue to be exposed. Yeah. So I think that if it's that serious, I'm glad that you tested negative, which is a good sign, but that doesn't mean that everyone else will. Yeah. And they deserve the truth. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the the it's it's a double edged sword because a lot of people are out of work. So there's a lot of competition for jobs. It's not a great time to be among them. But again, if you're secure uh, and this is all a risk analysis, right? You know, because the uh, in the grand scheme of things, your personal risk of dying or even if you spread this through your family of dying is fairly low. But cumulatively across our own communities, I mean, we see it all the time. We see. Uh, children have died, young adults have died, right. middle-aged people have died, people with no pre-existing causes have died, and of course, <sighs> lots and lots of elderly. So, like, how many fifteen? How many of those fifteen-year-old campers are going back to stay with their grandparents? Right. So it's it's a big roulette game that we're playing as society. And if you are in a position to, you know, take the marble off the wheel and sit this round out, it's it's not a bad, it's not an irrational uh, way to go. All right. Let's go with the next one. Next email is an update from Middle Kid. So they say, hello, all. This is Middle Kid from way back in episode four. In the way, way back machine, I wrote about my family situation. I was sent to conversion therapy as a child. And after a recent breakup, my mom essentially suggested I go back. Right. I remember this. I remember you, middle child. Mm -hmm. Unlike everyone else who's forgotten and overlooked you. (laughs) I, I see you out there. The This stoked the flames of many family tensions and left me pretty lost and betrayed as I searched for how to stand up to my family yet again. Uh, to update you all, I've had conversations with my mom and family that I never imagined I would have. While I didn't change everyone's mind, I stood my ground and felt more confident in having those conversations in the future. I found out that my old conversion therapist is still a practicing counselor and therapist doing conversion therapy, which sucks but I was able to submit a complaint on his license. While conversion therapy has been disavowed by the highest psychological and medical organizations, its practice usually doesn't get your license revoked. I've not heard back from his licensing board yet, but I felt I felt good to report the pain and harm he caused me and continues to cause his clients. But now, finally, I'm going to a real therapist and I'm really enjoying be able, being able to talk through this stuff. While discussing conversion therapy with my new therapist, I am trying to process the full weight of the experience as traumatic and emotionally abusive. It feels uncomfortable to think of myself as being traumatized and emotionally abused. I want to focus on my life successes and proof that the experience did not break me, but I know shutting my past out won't help. 
I found your discussion of trauma and abuse very insightful and helpful in recent episodes. So let me hit the situation from a different angle. Do either of you have a process for working through something tough that a friend or mental health professional suggests about you? Something you know is true, even if it conflicts a little bit with your personal self-image. Oh, I do. Okay, go go for it, because that's that's a tough one for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if any of you or if everyone has heard my personal story that I shared a few episodes back, but for my therapist to diagnose me with PTSD and for me to, you know, really understand that it was it was rape more than anything was something that conflicted with my not my personal self image, but my reflection of the situation. So I I, I, you know, having to identify as a victim, but also not have that be your identity mm. is, is important to know that, that you've been abused and you've been traumatized is something that you have to just reckon with. And I think I, I say this a lot, but knowing is half the battle, mm-hmm. understanding that is half the battle and that, and just because your past has hurt you doesn't mean your future needs to. Right. So to make that recognition is, is an important and powerful step and it will help you help others. It'll help you move forward, knowing how to deal with that particular diagnosis. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to have something recontextualized in, in the future. And it's something you have to reckon with, but thank, thank goodness you have this new therapist that can, that can help you with that too. Yeah. I also think that, um, if I'm, I'm reading what you're asking here in this final paragraph, uh, is there's a way to expand your self image to include the thing that you're having problems with? Because I'm, I was thinking about some of the things I work through in, in therapy. Um, and you know, let's, uh, uh, Let's say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy, but I've actually had my ass kicked on a couple occasions. And, uh, uh, there is um, some amount of trauma that goes along with that. And it's hard to see yourself as like a victim of assault. Um, but also like a, you know, strong masculine person. Um, so like widening your def widening my definition of masculine to like, well, you know, a a manly man can get their ass kicked, you know, sometimes it's going to happen. Um, that, allowed me to like continue to keep my image of how I felt about myself. But now I've learned something new about, you know, people, men, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that uh, like, you know, if you get taken advantage of by a confidence, you know, confidence man or woman, um, you're a victim of this, this, uh, this crime or this deception, but you don't have to be a victim. Mm -hmm. You know, you experienced the, the, you, 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 you were made a victim, but that doesn't mean you have to continue to be a victim. Right. Your identity does not become victim. Right, right, right. And, And it doesn't imply there's any kind of fragility, you know, or there's a, um, there's damage that can't be healed. Um, or some impairment that can't be resolved or, or worked around. So I, I don't know if any of that helps. Well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it does. Sometimes that that brings up sort of, you know, uh, I don't want to say barriers, but there are things that when you find a partner that you want to connect with, it doesn't mean that's your identity, but it's important for them to know so they can know how to help you and treat you carefully and you know, not try to repeat those same mistakes. Like, you know, this was, this was hard for me. So I need you to be sensitive in this area. And I'd really like your support when it comes to talking about this specific thing, because I do have that, you know, that, that trauma that can be uh, triggered. And that's, yeah. Yeah. I also want to walk back something I just said about like, you know, just because you got damaged doesn't mean you might have lasting impairment. Like, because that implies, like, say, for example, I got in a car wreck and I was paralyzed from the waist down. Right. Like, I can tell myself I'm going to walk again, but I might not. And I met, I bet that would be very hard for me to deal with because I do have a lot of kind of pride in my, you know, being able to to be strong and, mm-hmm. and be physical. Um, but, you know, I would try to reframe that as, like, I'm still the same person I am. I'm going to have to learn a lot of new things about life and I'm going to have to make a lot of new accommodations. I'm going to have to lean on my family and friends, like mm-hmm. I've probably never done before. And mm-hmm. that's going to be uncomfortable and scary. But like Ron Funches, 
I've got the power and skills and resources in which that I can and and deal with that and take it one day at a time. Right. So Seems yeah, I don't want to minimize like because you know some people like eat physically, mentally, emotionally, you get scarred and mm-hmm. maybe you won't get all that function back. Yeah. But you can still be okay. Yeah. Exactly. All right, let's move on to. But thank you for sharing that update with us. Yes, appreciate it. Let's move on to Swampy. Swampy says, I want to share the greatest weird trick I've ever encountered, nonviolent communication, a concept by psychologist and educator Marshall Rosenberg. About six years ago, I spent a few hours watching his workshops on YouTube. Then my life got way better and really fast. I can't recommend using nonviolent communication enough. It's one of the main tools I use to climb out of my depression, improve my career and relationships, and stay comparatively healthy for years since. The basics of nonviolent communication go something like this. We're not taught to communicate in an effective way to get our needs met. Amen. We are not taught to effectively hear the needs of others. Preach. Instead, we are taught to communicate in what Marshall Rosenberg calls jackal language, which consists of speaking and hearing blame, diagnosis, psychoanalysis, projections, and manipulation. This creates a world of people running around with unmet needs. We can resolve the issue by learning a new form of communication, nonviolent communication, or giraffe language. I... Jackal, I'm seeing. I, I, I'm I'm wondering what the giraffe. Where, where's the etymology of giraffe come from? Is yeah, it, you're you're just able to see above it all. See see all the bullshit. Are you rise to, above? You're able to speak with the purple tongue. Ella, <laughs> the foot long purple tongue. Um, in giraffe language, we cut through the noise, aiming only to hear and speak four things: observations, feelings, needs, and requests. It's really helpful for communicating with others, but the magic for me was in unpacking my own inner voices. The voices that told me in Jackal, I'm failing at life. What's wrong with me? Were translated into giraffe uh, as when I think about my life, I feel sad because I have a valid need for self-development. Why don't I journal about it? This process is basically a step-by-step act to act with empathy. Uh, nonviolent communication is a very deep concept, but it's simple enough that you can learn it at home for free. I've linked the workshop video below, queued up to what I feel are the best 10 minutes. And I'm going to, of course, share that in the show notes. Oh, by the way, Rosenberg uses Jackal, actual Jackal and giraffe puppets to illustrate their concepts. It doesn't get better than that. Um, <laughs> that's cool. You know, it's, it's funny because I, um... At some point in my late 20s, I came across this book called The Gentle Art of Verbal Self-Defense, and it's by uh, an author called Suzette Elgin, E-L-G-I-N, and I found it had a lot of similar things of like things we do and say in our relationships, like when you say, you never take out the trash, Uh, you're inviting someone to come back with, I took out the trash just two weeks ago, when what you're really trying to say is there's a pattern in our relationship of, you know, you saying you're going to do something and then failing to do something. And usually it's not about the trash so much as it's about these larger concepts. And, you know, when you use words like always or you never, or if you really cared about me, that's another big one, Mm -hmm. then you're just inviting these shallow deflections rather than, uh, the aim of the the gentle art of self, verbal self-defense was to get to the point where you're leveling with each other, which if I'm translating into these nonviolent communication techniques, you're now getting to talking about your 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 needs and the things that you, that, that your requests that you're making. Um, and I agree. It's uh, it's really helpful. I never thought about how it could be used to, like, deal with your internal critic. That's a really interesting thought. Mm hmm. Uh, you have any thoughts, Cecily? No, I think that's uh, I think that's a great way to put it. I'm going to watch this video myself and educate myself a little bit more. But thank you for sharing that one weird trick with us. Hell of a trick, Swampy. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. And uh, please check out that video uh, that in, we're linking in the show notes. Yep. All right. Our last email this week comes from Cuptastrophe. Regarding dish, a dish disaster. disaster. I, I got to say... Um, we like coming up with people's anonymous nicknames, but if you got a name like Cuptastrophe with the dish disaster subject, that's that's just the yeah. that's just the, the the icing, the cherry on the, the yeah. ice cream and the icing on the cr- the cake, the um, ice cream cake. <laughs> so this one was sent to us pre pre named. All right, they say I hope you can help give me some guidance on a little issue we're having in our family. So my husband is a bit particular when it comes to cleaning and keeping our house together, and usually it's great. 
We have a pretty equal partnership in keeping our house as clean and organized as possible with two kids who really can't go anywhere right now due to the pandemic. But his particular ways are starting to become a little too much for my liking. We don't have a dishwasher and counter space in our kitchen. It's almost non-existent. So when dishes start to pile up, it starts to look out of control super fast. I would like our nine-year-old to start helping me wash dishes. I already have her put away some dishes that are easy to put away, things like silverware and plates, so I feel washing a few dishes here and there is a logical next step in her helping around the house. I'm not expecting her to scour pots and pans, just wash off some of the 80 plates and cups she and her brother use daily since they seem to need a new glass and plate every time they're at the table and eat like on a hobbit eating schedule. Breakfast, second breakfast, snack, lunch, etc. Don't forget about 11sies. Yes, my kids are still a bit too young for Tolkien, but they demand and use the term second breakfast. Very cute. Here's where the trouble lies. My husband thinks in no uncertain terms that she is too young to be washing dishes and that she won't do an acceptable job under his standards. So she should just stick to putting them away. Even if these are the kids' plates and kids' cups, my husband is adamant she shouldn't wash them. The second issue is the drying and putting away of cups. In my husband's world, all cups need to be 100% air-dried. Yeah, that's right. If there's any little drop of water inside a cup, you cannot take a towel and dry it because you might somehow get towel lint in the cup, and no one wants to drink a beverage with lint in it. Now, while I'll agree I don't want to drink a linty beverage, I've been drying cups with a towel for over 20 years, and I've never seen this happen. Have either of you? Do I ignore it and continue to just dry cups behind his back, or is there a way to help him realize he's a bit over the top and is worried about cup lint? Um, I have two immediate thoughts. Number one, this when when your kids demand second breakfast, I hope you just toss an uh, apple right at their head, bean them, because that that's that's how you that's how you break those fucking hobbits at their second breakfast. Or start feeding them leaven bread. Yeah, <laughs> wait, uh, Limbus, Limbus bread, Limbus bread. Yeah, give them a whole loaf, and then they'll be backed up for a week. Um, the second thing is, we have had Cecily and I. Some issues over differences and how chores are done and whatnot and or how food is prepared or, you know, how things are planned or whatever. And I, I it's been an observation of mine um, that a lot of these things come down to uh, our parents did it some way that was shitty which made us hate the way the, the uh, something by default. Like we hate this food because my, you know, I hate broccoli because my mom f- uh, boiled it for 30 minutes until it was essentially light green mush. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I hate drying t- uh, cups of the towel because my mom used these shitty towels that got lint everywhere. And then when I was drinking my water, I could see the fibers and, you know, some people are just like really sensitive. They got kind of textures and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, is you know like when you dry a cup and hand it to him can he see visible lint because if he, he can, hasn't she's been doing it for 20 years well that's the thing i'm not i'm not back. i'm not exactly sure from this is like whether there is actually lint or you know if it even you know like if uh every third glass has lint in it that could be kind of annoying and um i got a hot take like why are we drying the dishes just because you don't have time to air dry them. You can't. Well, I mean, there's 80 or so plates and I stuff, guess and you got to keep the dishes rotating. Yeah, you can't just because uh, we got to. I can I can sympathize. We have a very small kitchen. We don't have a dishwasher, and we have the same deal. Like that stuff can stack up and you know look look pretty bad pretty quick. Right. Um, but usually, if we stay on top of it, do it once or twice a day. We we don't have to. I we don't we don't wipe our shit down. We just kind of put it in the strainer and let it drip and slash air dry ourselves. But um, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like. Um, you know, if uh, you're not leaving lint behind, then I don't know why you couldn't reason with your husband and be like, you know, look, what's the deal? We got to get this stuff put away. It's faster. There's no lint. Do you see um, if there is lint? Can you use like lint free microfiber towels? There's special uh, mm-hmm. paper towels like those blue shop towels that are. Uh, renowned for not uh, leaving lint behind or not just that they make special like kitchen towels that are that are made of like a linen that doesn't leave lint behind at all. Yeah. Like they shammies. use in restaurants. And, no, no, no. Not even, <laughs> no, no. Not even the microfiber stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, I mean, there's some compromise needs to happen here. And it's not just it's not just the way our parents conditioned us. It seems like your husband might be dealing with a little bit of control issues, mm-hmm. which might be deep rooted in some kind of like trauma feeling to need. I mean, I mean I'm willing to guess that at work and other things that he feels a, a certain need for control in all the situations as well. Plus, there's all kinds of spectrum disorders that can have people be right. very sensitive to things that are contaminated or things that have a weird texture or right you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, but he's also saying that he's doesn't think the dishes are going to be done to a satisfactory standard by mm. a nine year old, even though she's being supervised by her mom. Right. So, you know, maybe talk to him a little bit about that. Taking a deep breath, recognizing this need for control, which actually is something I'm dealing with a lot lately mm. myself. Recognize that need for control and perhaps letting some of it go and realizing what's really important. Maybe one of every third cup might have a bit of lint in it, but I mean, are you worried about the bacteria or can you just blow it out? <laughs> yeah, or rinse it out, you know. Yeah, you know, and it might relieve a lot of his stress to know that that he's going to let some of this go and letting it go includes delegating and that could help a lot too. But it's also really important for your nine-year-old to feel like she's part of the team. She feels needed. She's she's contributing to the family because mom and dad are working all day. So she needs to feel important and needed as well. Yeah, but if she's doing nothing, I mean, getting her putting away stuff is a good start. It's and a then, great start, yeah. Because I was wondering if you could use language like, okay, well, you, you might be right. She is pretty young to handle washing um, but, uh, you know, let's, let's get her putting away stuff. And then if she's doing a very good job being like, you know, this nine-year-old's doing a bang up job, putting stuff away. Well, she's what? already putting the stuff away. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought they were going to have her start doing that. No, no, no. She's already putting stuff away. Okay. Um, then if she's doing a good job, being like, well, you know, like maybe we can teach her to wash out her sippy cup. Right. Um, and then if she either does a good job because it's important. I, I, I'm still working on this with my 13 year old, like. Son, you gotta understand. You gotta clean all the surfaces of this dish, yeah, whether it get looks them dirty now or while not. They're young. <laughs> you can't see viruses. You can't see bacteria. You gotta get. You gotta this wash stuff the done. back of the plate too, because it was sitting on a pile of ketchup. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not. Uh, so um, that's the thing is like you are going to struggle with this with your children. The attention to detail. It's you know unless you're waiting for them to be twenty. They're not going to have everything they need to be able to do a good job, right? And and if you wait till they're 20, then they're going to be worthless. Yeah, they're going to be shit at dishes, and now so, yeah. it's someone else's problem when they get yeah. into another relationship, if yeah. ever. And the thing is, the other thing is, like, it's important for them to get good at it and to, to learn to contribute. And it's not a terrible thing for a, a, a couple of months to have to rewash a few dishes because they didn't do it quite right. Yeah. You know, say, hey, good job. Go in there in the bathroom and wash your hands. And then we'll, me and daddy will uh, clean up. And then you guys inspect the things mm-hmm. and you clean them. And uh, then you see what the things that they're maybe not doing right. And you can work. It's, it's a, I mean, it's, it's, that's how you teach. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think she's at a great age to, to start doing this. And, uh, it would be interesting also the, the conversation to like set up like if with your husband like well she's not ready it's like okay um, I can see that um, when do you think they will be ready and not from like a, a uh, like a well a month from now or six months from now or a certain age but like what milestones you know because if 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 he can't answer that then it feels like it's more of a knee jerk thing than something that he's actually thought about and maybe right. asking him to think about it will have him think, oh, well, maybe I'm being a little bit. Or he'll come up with, um, you know, uh, when she's got her room handled and she can brush her teeth. Like, I don't, I don't know like what all kind of struggles that you're dealing with in, in total. But, mm-hmm. you know, like because like, I, I just think that um, some of these concerns are probably coming from a real place. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And, and you want to not just kind of like gainsay. And, and going back to our you know, relationship rule number one, honesty would dictate you don't dry the cups behind his back or secretly engage in dishwashing with your daughter while daddy's <laughs> not around. That's not a great pattern to, yeah. to fall into, even and, though it's a very minor thing. Yeah, and make sure there's a lot of positive reinforcement. You did a great job. These dishes look great. Um, but there is this one that we could do better, and I'll show you how to do it better so we learn type of thing. Yeah. Positive reinforcement's a, it's a handy tool 
refer to my affirmations section earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you got any other advice here? Nah, I think that'll that'll about do it. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening again, guys. Aaron will be back next week for another three right turns. He and I will be back together for another one weird trick in two weeks. If you have any feedback for us, any requests for weird tricks to improve your love, life, and happiness, you can email us at onewearedtrick at swizzbold.com. Also, send us any updates that you feel need to. We we love getting those. We're also on all of social media at Swizzbold as well. I want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters because we wouldn't be here doing this without you. You can become a patron if you're not already at patreon.com slash swizzbold. I would especially like to thank all of our Fred-level patrons by name now. Those are Angelo Morano, Mark Hahn, Brandon DeVito, James Taylor, Kira Grusho, George P. Burdell, Lisa Singleton, Jared Harrelman, Jordan Hoyt, Greg Rasp, Laura Luthi, Jenny, Byron Rasmussen, and Arvind Rao. Thank you all so much for supporting us at that Fred level. It's uh, it's really important to us. Yeah, thanks all. You can also find Swizzbolt themed merch at merch.swizzbolt.com. Aaron, Jim, and I do monthly Patreon live streams for our supporters. You can join our Patreon to get in on the action. You just missed our most recent live stream if you weren't there live with us. It was last Thursday, but you can still view it in all of our other past live streams from our Patreon page. We'll have another one in September where you can ask questions and suggest topics for us to discuss. You can also hang out with us live and join the conversation in the YouTube chat while we're there. Again, Always that's a great option. Yeah. Again, that's patreon.com slash swizzbold. Thanks again to everyone. Hope these one weird tricks improve your life because uh, other podcasters hate this. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya.